To answer is human. To question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Hi, I want to welcome you to another episode of The Hidden Gateway Podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Williams. Today's guest is Segavax. Seg is a prolific commentator on current events, ancient religions, and consciousness exploration. Not to mention, he's a great friend of mine. I want to welcome Segovax to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How you doing, man? Not a lot. Um, just uh, finally getting some stability in my life. Uh, yeah, and as you said, Segovax is my handle on YouTube, but I mean, I go by Seg. Just roll off the tongue. Uh, nice, yeah. nice. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So, man, just take a take a quick minute, man. Tell tell the good people about you, man. Just a little little background, man. Just you know where you come from, what well, you're up to, etc. Um, I guess the basics. Uh, I'm a 29 year old male of Slavic and Irish descent. Was born in Texas. Uh, born in Austin, capital of Texas. And just uh, for most of my life, I've had a, a very strong interest in anthropology. Um, I'd say historical theology, trying to study the religions of ancient peoples and kind of how that intersects with the modern world. Um, I like it, man. And and that you always have some awesome thoughts on down there just about anything, man. And, you know, obviously, you know, I wanted to have you on the show, but, you know, I really want to dig deep into your thoughts on, you know, various topics. And, you know, you, I think I told you before, man, you're, you're highly intelligent. You're highly intelligent. And I, I just loved, I always love to get your, your theory and all different things, man. I, I want to touch on a few things, like I mentioned before. Um, Let's just start off, man, talking about the jabby jab, man, and the C-19. And, you know, I, I want to know your thoughts on um, why and uh, where, where we're headed with, with everything going on. You know, it, it obviously hit in 2020 and, you know, life as we know it has changed forever. And it, it seemed like it was it was going then it went away and then came back and it seems like it's gone away again. So what the hell is going on in this world, man? Well, I think 
I think the best place to start is a kind of a good segue off off the introduction because a huge problem I think with most people and their reaction to the COVID narrative is an epistemology problem. Like they they don't parse where the information is coming from and why and why they believe it. So it's like when I say I've had these interests, I'm not citing a degree or some credentials. Like, this is just stuff I've looked into. Um, has always been a fascination of mine. Sorry, I'm thinking. Are you good, brother? <sighs> Definitely something, obviously, you said you always looked um, into a bit of fascination. Uh, what I'm trying to get at is that I'm not passing myself off as an expert, and I think you should be wary of people who do. And it's almost like, I mean, I think anyone, the kind of person who is already watching this podcast probably knows what I'm talking about with the rise of scientism and this stuff. It's almost more of a credentialism, like, like the... Hmm the cathedral, the, the university sort of, you know, has replaced the cathedral and it can essentially dictate what scientific facts are until proved otherwise. And they kind of give the Galileo treatment to the people trying to prove, you know, that heliocentrism is the truth. Mm. And so what I'm talking about with you know, who I am and what my opinions are on this subject, it's, it depresses me how little faith people have in their own ability to parse information and to make an informed decision based on what they're seeing. So that they're, they essentially place the faith that I think people used to have in religion in now this scientism and it's just bizarre watching people like repeat the tv propaganda to you tell you it like proselytize it to you as if it's not on every screen all the time right <laughs> you put going nuts with it man i mean the mindset of people man it, i swear it, i mean people are already halfway nuts out here right but then uh, man, the events in the world of, over the last two years is just causing these folks to take it to another level, man. Is it the people that have got the shot? Is the, are those the ones that have gone off the rails? and <laughs> Or just people in general? Are we talking about just society in general, just because everything is going on that, you know, people that are not, I don't, I don't know, like when I, when I think for me personally, when I think like peace of mind and not getting caught up in um, the propaganda, the chaos and confusion going on. It's like, I have to stay grounded in something, right? And I've done that through spirituality. I mean, you, you, you know a lot about that. We've talked about over the last damn near two years now, but I can say without a doubt, man, you know, um, staying grounded in spirituality, learning what I've learned over the last couple of years here about self more than anything, right, is what gives me the ability to stay sane or have peace in this chaotic world. But obviously, as you were saying, and you even called it very disappointing, or you might have said depressing, that people are just 
so absorbed and believe any and everything that they see on TV or read on the internet. It's like they don't have a mind of their own. I always talk about analysis paralysis, right? People, they, they can't think, man. Like, Well, that's, what the hell? it's not just anything they see on the internet. There seems to be a certain, like, coded set of signals that convey officialdom. Like, it's difficult to explain, but if you, I think about it kind of in terms of like what makes a king legitimate in a pre-democratic society. Like there are these trappings of royalty and certain, you know, where, you know, uh, lineage type things. And it's like hmm. when people see these like, you know, seals of CDC or something, it's like a mimetic effect that acts on them and triggers them to Ooh. to hear is to obey like enter this programmable state it's disturbing now that there let me ask you something is is that purposely done by you know, maybe, maybe if not the cdc but whoever is pulling the strings of the CDC? Is is that how, how deep they've gone with the science and knowing how the human mind works and, and, and responses to certain uh, symbols or um, even words? Is, is that, does it go that deep? I think, I think um, to answer that question, it would be good to segue into kind of what you were saying about uh, spirituality as a base uh, to center oneself. <clears throat> Um, I think one of the main reasons that this like programming has been so effective is the massive drive to cut people off from their spiritual roots or maybe not even spiritual. Mm -hmm. Like I think, uh, like ethno-cultural, which often intersects heavily with traditional spirituality. Um, it's like, a the blade only cuts one way and it's always trending towards cutting all ties that are not corporate. Like, uh, the way people are heavily propagandized against Christianity. Like it's a, you know, kind of weird to see. It is weird, not, isn't it? Not to say that Christianity as a whole is innocent, but, um, but uh, sorry to tie it back into to your question is i think not only are the people pulling the strings deliberately doing this they have gone a long way into establishing the apparatus and eliminating competition to allow for this to happen now it's it's a long time coming eliminating competition this wow man okay okay it's a long time coming so in your thoughts, what's, what are, what's next? Okay. So we have, you know, we, we had the, the old jabby jab. All right. Now there also seems to be a push for acceptance of transgender as well. And, you know, I don't have anything against trans people or, or the community as a whole, but I do have my thoughts regarding why 
that there seems to be this push or maybe be, even being forced upon people to not only acknowledge, but to accept. Yeah. Right? Um, sorry, having some trouble with my phone stand here. And this is especially of importance to me because I have I have young kids, right? And man, some of the things I see from I mean, everybody talks about Disney, but there's so many other shows out there, programs, things on the internet that that kids, um, it's, you know, view, it's everywhere, partake in, and it's it's yeah, man, it is, it is. So so with, with this thing going on, which I do believe is an agenda, is this the same? Are there the same people? Um, pushing this, as we talked about, you know, with the whole propaganda and getting people to buy into other things, is it just 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 big? I don't know, conglomerate of elites. Is that is that your well, thoughts or what? It, it's. I think it's something a lot more than just a conglomerate of evil humans, or like, you know, I guess maybe to give them more credit than they're due perhaps incredibly misguided humans. Um, but mm. I don't know with the trans stuff. It's like the, I, I agree with you that like in lieu of committing some actual crime, I have nothing against an individual trans person. There is, you know, that's, that's a choice they're making for themselves that harms no one, I guess, arguably besides themselves. Uh, but with, with it in schools and stuff, it's like, I gotta ask, you know, protect trans kids, like from what informed consent it, it, like, what else do they think kids can consent to? It's right. That's wow. where it gets tricky is when, when we get into the, like, wanting to groom other people's kids. Like, I hate to use that word. It's become such a... Because they conflate... They conflate sexual grooming with ideological grooming. But in this case, it's both. Mm -hmm. Like, you are introducing a sexual thing to mm -hmm. a non-sexual being. And it's, I mean... How, how did I phrase it? Uh, intentionally confusing impressionable children about the nature of human sexual dimorphism and signaling that this is like a brave and heroic thing to do to trick them into permanently alter, permanently mutilating themselves via experimental treatments and surgeries. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what's more evil than that? That is, I was just thinking, like, damn, how how evil that is. That is just, it's sad. And it's out there, too, man, because i tell you what, I may have told you this before, but, you know, my daughter, right, she's 10, she'll be 11 this year, actually later this month. And we went through this situation a couple of years ago, right? Um, 2020 hit, uh, COVID hit, she's at home from school, online a lot more, and she's going to these different, like children's like platforms, man, you know, where kids go and, and, and they, they go into these, uh, like this, have this thing where 
they can dress these characters up right and um you go into this world you know i, I guess and they create the mm-hmm. city roblox or something i think that's what it's called and uh just how the influence of the people in there is it's also it almost makes me think that people are being paid to go into these games like adults right that work for some type of crazy organization where they where they go and they go into these games they pose as kids characters just to influence these kids in their mm-hmm. in their thought process right and these kids get confused right and they get to the point where they have to pick whether or not they're down with the LBGTQ community and movement and guess what if they're not yeah. they're bad people and, and they get bullied, there's a huge amount of social you know? pressure pressures surrounding this yes exactly exactly and then and then they for some they even get some of these kids to the point where they have these kids questioning their own sexuality you know well it's, i mean here's the way man. i think really like the way that I think puts it in starkest contrast to illustrate just how wrong this is, is it's like, you know, oh, well, this like trans six year old feels like he's a woman, you know, or whatever. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. do you want a stranger to make your six year old daughter feel like a woman? Like, you see what I'm saying there? It's, yeah, just, yeah. it's just inappropriate. Uh, no, it's, it's wrong like like morally repugnant and you see how see how was, you kind of bled over in the sports too now mm-hmm. i know you saw the swimmer from a couple months ago right this guy was a mediocre swimmer all his life and then he becomes trans right and now he is a man competing with women and dominating like come on man like come on bro I think the best way to solve the trans sports hang up is like just make a bunch more leagues like and stop or I don't know, maybe have multiple governing bodies. Because what I want to see is just like untested meats to the max, like just people on the craziest supplements, like just this like seven foot tall fucking hulking like super mutant looking behemoth just <laughs> collapsing under his own weight trying to lift like the heaviest i mean if science can do it like and a human is willing to put their body through that fuck around and find out man oh, oh man you know there's gonna be a lot of people willing to put their body oh, through yeah. it bro it's, it's coming man i say right now it's coming <laughs> we're gonna see some crazy so we are going to see some crazy stuff and over so, the next few years yeah here, it's like it's, i the only problem here really is the like the obvious, like you'd have to be blind or really politically invested in not seeing the obvious physical advantage that that swimmer had. Um, like that's really the mm-hmm. only only problem there. Like in terms of letting you know people compete against uh, the gender, the the sex they gender identify as. I mean, if they can find women who want to swim mm-hmm. against them, I guess. And then it's the other side too with with the women. Now you got some some women that are into combat sports saying they want to participate in in the men's events, right? So we're talking boxing, um, MMA, and you know this was talk a couple of weeks ago, 
some some female mixed martial artist or, or maybe even a boxer. She said that she wanted to compete compete with the men, and people were calling like, "Nah, what do you know? No, no, no." But she said she wants to do it. What do you What are your thoughts on that? Should you just let her do it, or what? I mean, obviously she wow. would get crushed, right? <laughs> But I mean, it's it, like some people say, okay, this is what you want. You, you know, you, you with the equal rights and all this other stuff. You, you, you know, you, the, you get the feminists. You know, <laughs> yeah, some people are saying, I like, mean, if, hold on now, if she wants to, what, what do you like, th- go for it. You know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything to stop. <laughs> like the thing is, she probably could kick my ass. Like, so. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> the, the thing about that, though, like with Fallon Fox, I think was the name of the fighter that broke that chick's skull in the ring. You heard about this? Okay. I, no. I mean, was, I, I try to make a point to not follow the the news about this kind of crap. <laughs> um, uh. But it's just like Fallon Fox, I think, was like ex-military. Uh, and or well. He was ex-military, and then after transitioning, she became an MMA fighter. Don't want to misgender anybody here. And uh, broke this chick's skull, like straight up skull fracture with their fist in the ring. I think I I did hear about this. now they're going around posting on Twitter, like, you know, a, a meme of them, like, punching someone, and it's like, me with TERFs or transphobes or whatever. And it's like, Turf, uh, you, you're mm-hmm. familiar with the acronym Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. I've yes, heard some yes, of them yes, say yes. that that trans rights is like a men's rights organization, like a men's rights movement. And through that lens, dude, mm-hmm. this is just the golden age of misogyny. Like, you can straight up go into the ring and break a chick's skull and then be, like, high and mighty if anyone sees anything wrong with it. And just, man, like, it's insane. Like, I think a Roman (laughs) emperor would be, like, taken aback by what we have done. It's, yeah, it's insanity. Uh, it is insanity. <laughs> I mean, where are we at as a society where you have this type of, I don't even want to call it entertainment, foolishness going on, right? You you have us dealing with this so-called, I guess I call it scamdemic. Obviously, it's this war that's been going on in Ukraine. We talk about how the transgender transgenderism is being pushed on people, and damn it, you even have Will Smith smacking people at the Oscars and Dave Chappelle getting attacked on stage. Man, what in the hell? Well, I think it's all kind of different pieces of a larger societal narrative. That, like, I mean, you can. If you look at uh, the way these like progressives, I guess woke wokeists talk, they always talk about narratives and representation, and it's pretty brilliant because like that's how humans operate. That's how we make sense of our world is through stories. And so if they can infiltrate or like heavily 
saturate the channels, like as many channels as they can control with their messaging, it becomes the, you know, perception as reality of everybody. And crap, I'm losing how to tie this back into uh, what you previously said. Uh. All good, brother. Just was talking about the with the chaos and confusion going on with everything we see. You know, and you were saying how, you know, the perception, I know you, before you talked about the pr propaganda going on. Yeah. You know, and how people are so easily influenced and, you know, they're pushing these agendas it's, on people. You know, what's what's next? Where it's do we like go? the experts can, you know, just confirm, like, oh, the experts confirmed is a magic word that means it's true now. And if it's not true, well, you know, I guess, like, It'll be true until the science changes. Um, so <laughs> who knows where it's leading us? It's like... I guess I'd say that... I mean, God promised he wasn't going to flood the, the world again, like after the, after the biblical flood. And so that kind of implies to me that the next one's going to mm. be fire. And we've really set ourselves up for that with you know, nuclear proliferation and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now you, you said talk about God, you know, let's talk about your beliefs, right? I want to, I'm curious to know about that. Like how, how, how were you raised? Were you raised Catholic or, and, and what are you, what are your beliefs now? Are you Catholic, Christ, Christian? What do you, well, what do you, you follow? So where, where I was born, um, Austin is a very like, in retrospect, I get the feeling it's kind of like an MK ultra central, like, it's the dissemination mm. of a lot of programming. Yeah, don't they have those smart cities? Are those, I'm actually are those not there already? sure. Um, yeah, like, uh, it, I just get the feeling that with, like, a, was it Charles Whitman, the UT Tower shooter? Um, and, like, sorry, go ahead. Um, no, 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 I'm, I'm listening. The UT Tower shooter and, like, with this massive university campus being right next to uh, the state capitol with, and other government buildings and the, you know, military installations nearby. It seems like the kind of place that if you're going to do that sort of clandestine, like, testing and manipulation that I guess everyone believes the CIA stopped doing five minutes ago. Like there were no, yeah, the CIA's done evil shit for all of history, but then there were no reforms, nothing changed, and stop being a conspiracy theorist. Right. Um, <laughs> and so, like, personally, I was raised, uh, like, my dad's a, a Buddhist, and a very principled one, like, really has been an excellent, a much better role model than my behavior would give him credit for. Um, okay. <laughs> and my mom's kind of like a vague spirituality type like I think there's a a large part of a religious usually white chicks that or in my experience I should say white chicks that use a sort of vague spirituality to serve as an internal self-justification for whatever they want to do. 
Vague spirituality. Break that down. Just for like me. What do you an mean incredibly that? amorphous concept of the supernatural, or like a a metaphysical. Okay. Uh, and okay. okay. Really, all it does is place the self as like the primary moral legislator, and then weighing your moral decisions against that well it's entirely subjective so it basically becomes just self-justifying whatever you want to do regardless of the actual morality or harm inflicted on others by it mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and i i had a kind of a spiritual experience that really changed my outlook but since then I, I've noticed that, like, things are getting so bad with the scientism, credentialism, and, like, just being asked to believe things that are clearly not true. And the, mm -hmm. the like, religious faith aspects it's taking on, it's, like, from a purely mercenary perspective, it's probably safer to have, like, a real faith, like Christianity, than uh, whatever the this new civic religion is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so your dad was a Buddhist and your mom was the, as you described, vague mm -hmm. spirituality, right? So I, I know you, obviously you, you, you mentioned early on that you are of Slavic and Irish descent. So, and I, I've heard you talk about during our conversations in the past, how, uh, what's the best way for me to say it? You, you pull a lot from that, right? You pull a lot from, from, from that Slavic side, right? In regards to a lot of your beliefs. In, in my in my head yes. down the right path uh, am I correct well the my beliefs about uh the gods themselves is kind of complicated because i i really don't like the sort of pagan theology that emerged kind of from like the fall of the roman republic till now it hasn't changed since where it's just like yeah the gods obviously aren't real but i mean do they even need to be real to us the people who supposedly believe in them it's like, you can see why it sort of fell apart. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I don't subscribe to that because I do believe the gods were, you know, literally real. Like, not some kind of shared delusion our ancestors had. Like, real enough to... Was it Jacob that had the wrestling match with God? Uh, yes, yes. And then his name mm -hmm. was changed to, I think, Israel, like, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah, the wrestling yeah. match with the angel, I believe it was. And then there's there's debate. People figure, you know, who, who that angel actually was. Some believe it was Jesus. Some believe it was Michael. Well, the, I don't know. the point is that, like, I believe God was so real that he could, like, dislocate your hip kind of thing. Um, and uh, <laughs> okay. it's like, I don't know if that's like space aliens or like interdimensional psychic vampires like as alex jones would describe them or or you know elves or <laughs> even like exactly angels as described in you know like the biblical god and his angels kind of thing um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i'm like incredibly fundamentalist about it i guess uh because it's like, if those ancient stories are literally true, like, well, you know, yeah, there's space aliens or whatever, but then there's also God, because, you know, who do you think made the space aliens? Uh, 
sort of the way mm-hmm. way I look at it. I really don't know what the origin of all the ancient myths are, but um, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, and then you said you mentioned gods. Now, what are the names of these of these gods? What and what do they have? Because I've heard of like ancient gods, and some I think have control over. Well, maybe one has control over the earth, one has control over the ocean, or, or some some to that aspect. What, what well, are these guys? What's, what's there's a there's a bunch, and in typical Slavic fashion, no one can agree on anything. Um, but <laughs> the the major branches seem to be there's like a a sort of pseudo Hellenic Slavic tradition that just is renamed like Perun is the thunderer that is like analogous to Zeus. Um, and then there's another okay. further Eastern Slavic tradition that is like Chernobog and Velobog, which are black god and white god, which seems to borrow kind of heavily from Zoroastrianism. <clears throat> and then okay. uh, the third type is, uh, I'm not sure how I'd describe it, like uh, Velez seems to be the like the central deity, where he's the... like old man of the forest who is like also a skinwalker or something. Um, yeah. And hmm. what's really interesting about these is the, like bog is the common name for God in Slavic languages. And mm-hmm. like one of the God's names is uh, Svarolga. And it appears to derive from the Sanskrit Svarga and Rajan. Svarga being the region of heaven ruled over by the Hindu deity Indra and Rajan like Raja like king. <clears throat> so heaven king is Svarag. And he seems to occupy a similar place in their pantheon to Indra in the Hindu pantheon. So, so what's interesting mm-hmm. to me is like, is the Slavic word bog, is that similar to the Sanskrit word baga? Like in in the sense of Bhagavad Gita, with the like bestowed knowledge and treasure, and I mean I've seen uh, Hindus online. You know I, I lurk a lot of uh, foreign groups just to kind of you know fly on the wall. Uh, they'll see like right, a, right, right. a Slavic Rodnover like um, sunwheel pinwheel thing, and they'll say, "Oh, that's a Dharma chakra or like a double Dharma chakra," and I mean, the comparison kind of fits, like uh, this Slavic cosmology, you know, it it kind of got wiped out by the Christians before writing was really introduced to that region. So so the historical okay. record's pretty iffy, it's kind of all folklore, but it does seem to heavily track with the, like, Hindu sense of, you know, reincarnation, uh, metaphysical duty, uh, like a balance between, excuse me, balance between good and evil. Um, and yeah, it's it's very interesting to me. So I guess it's like my religious beliefs kind of drift around Central Asia. Like, I'm very interested in Slavic native faith, Hinduism, and uh, Mongolian Tangrianism. Okay. So you do you, you believe in an in ultimate God, Absolutely. ultimate source? In that sense, okay, and then there are these these other gods as well. So these other gods are like, are they lesser I mean, gods? I mean, I honestly don't know. Uh, the one thing I believe about God for sure is that, like, going to sound pretty Muslim of me, 
but I believe there is one true God above everything else. That is the personification, intelligence, architect, master, and maintainer of all of the universe. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Definitely, definitely. Same here. Um, same here. We call call him God. I call him the Father, Source. You know, but the ultimate intelligence, right? And I'm, I think, man, I'm, I'm pretty much at the point now where I believe that we are that 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 God, that ultimate intelligence, that source lives within us, right? And we have been gifted certain abilities to know self and and everything that comes with that, right? And in a sense, that we are that ultimate source of God having a human experience, just collecting information, taking information back to wherever it takes it to and does whatever it does with it, you know, which what I, I would think would be more creation, you know, maybe some, some stuff that we're not aware of. That's another dimension away in some other far galaxy. I don't know, you know, but it's, but it's interesting. And I think that's where I'm at, you know, and, and, you know, my story, man, I was, you know, raised Christian and this, that, and the next, and have definitely got away from the religion thing and more spiritual, if anything. And I tell people all the time, man, I feel closer to God now than ever, man. now than ever, straight up. You know, I let go of a lot of those restrictions, man. It was like I was in this box before and now I'm free and had this liberation, you know. And it's And it's, it's a, a very hard feeling. to describe feeling. Um, I think, I think I, I, how do I phrase this? It's almost like the, those vague spirituality art hose I was talking about before. Um, it's like they, they've mm -hmm. almost got it right. They're just missing the, this one ingredient that it's like, it is true that self-realization is incredibly important. And like, you know, I guess uh, just in self-actualization, getting, you know, the discipline and ability to meet your needs and the needs of those around you to, you know, sort of maintain your metaphysical duty. But in lacking, like, kind of an outside concrete, like, the one true God, to recognize that you are both, like, a constituent part of also your individual self and, like, one of, one of many in everything. It's like a... Mm -hmm. It's like a m multiple self-realization in a sense that you you can't just focus on the individual self. There's also the self that is a component part of God. And it's, I think, mm -hmm. that like spiritual severing of most people is just a, a, a big problem and a, a cause of a lot of problems today. I like how you worded that, man. Component self is a big part of God, man. That's that's like that's deep right there because that's that's part of our true self, you know, more so than this self that we we um, experience as um, shit a, a father, a, 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 a husband. Even though that kind of ties into that, maybe I should go like in, in with my job and all this other stuff you have to deal with, right? Um, but true self is is it's definitely a part of God, man, and it's something that man, I don't even know if I have the words for it, man. It's just 
it's true self. That's what it is. You know, that that's what that's what it is. I, I truly believe that, you know, I'm a spirit and I'm a spirit that's a part of this this larger spirit source, God, that main source. Right. Just like it has been around. That means I've been around forever as well. You know that man, it's just amazing. Man. <laughs> it's amazing. So now what are your thoughts on on the flip side? Right. The the, the darkness, this this darkness is evil, obviously, you know. I'm not the one personally believe in this this red character with a pitchfork and horns, right? It's just I believe that's just dark energy. Where where did this dark energy come from? Do you believe that, you know, the the biblical story about the angel, the fallen angel, and and all um, this other stuff? Well, I would say there's a distinction kind of to be made in, uh, like to in the short answer, yes, but to elaborate, um. It's not like the kind of, I can't even think of the name of the philosophy now, but like material reality is evil and thus you must seek like, I guess, transcendentalism. Uh, I don't believe all of material reality is evil. I think there are material forces in this world making things shitty for everyone. Um, in the like grand scheme, it's like that self that you and I are you know, each iterations of, I think there's kind of this aspect of your, you know, when a droplet hits a pond and recoils a few times before settling in, it's like, those are our mm -hmm. lives and reincarnations in a sense. And there's this through line that, you know, the genes that comprise you have never been dead from the beginning of like the tree of life till now. And right. there's right. something just that is like a scientifically true fact, but there's something spiritually compelling about it. And I think there like may be some kind of like universal darkness, but I think it may be just from our perspective as being alive. And it's kind of a, you can't have light without shadow sort of thing. It's not, it's not the calculated mm. reveling in cruelty and stuff that we see on earth. I think there's something material here that, I mean, might be the red dude with the pitchfork, like, uh, or something a lot like it. Hmm. That's interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This, this force in the world that I think is, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think the state of the world can be solely attributed to the actions of evil evil people working together alone. I think it goes all the way back to the mythic mythic period of early history that contemporary historiography wants to paint as just some kind of myth for ritual purposes. Just like, don't think about it, bro. Pay no attention to the fact that mm. something convinced virtually everyone that there is a powerful force in the sky that can smite you and you need to be scared of it to the point that they've taught their children it for countless generations even today the the ease with which people mm. accept non-occam's razor explanations for that are i mean it's you know i think an example of the kind of indoctrination we were talking about earlier um okay so most people are familiar with uh, 
or people who have scratched the surface of antiquity are probably familiar with interpretatio greca. I may be pronouncing that wrong, but it's like the Greek interpretation of other cultures' gods. And they would essentially usually describe a similar pantheon, or if the pantheon was not arranged the same way, it was always comprised of the same basic archetypal characters. I think I, I read something about that recently. I, I was mm-hmm. I was researching the Egyptian god Thoth, Thoth, if I'm uh, pronouncing his name correctly, and then they talk about how the Greeks kind of you know copied that and came up with their their own god. Bingo. Is that is um, am, I, am I on the right path? Is that something? This similar? Uh, like Thoth is okay. like the craftsman. Okay. I think uh, he's like the and kind of a double role of like craftsman in that he makes complicated things and also crafty in that. He is very wise. And mm-hmm. the more craftsman right, right. aspect shows up in like the Greek and Roman Hephaestus and Vulcan. Uh, the contemporary historiography explanation for this is that these are manifestations of like a collective unconscious and everyone's going to basically have these similar stories, which uh, go ahead. No, no. So I'm yeah, just breaking that down. So this, those stories, you said the say it again. A collective yes, un, combination of the collective unconscious. An assertion that either genetically or in some kind of like shared subconscious or like you know species wide genetic memory that we have the inborn programming to create these archetypes and believe in them incredibly wholeheartedly. Damn. Okay. Okay. Well, I think I think it's muddying the waters to try to make it seem deep. Okay. My I always, you know, like this Gordian knot, everyone keeps trying to come up with a way for like how do we explain these stories that can't be real? And my response is can't they be real? Like this, you know, every it, virtually every culture, both extant and historical, or virtually every religion, I mean, agrees that, like, magic dudes came from the sky and shaped the earth, shaped us, uh, taught us writing, metallurgy, social organization, agriculture, these kinds of things, and generally follow a similar pattern, often including a flood myth. And... This is said to be unbelievable because of the miracles that happen in them, like flying, uh, uh, smiting with incredibly powerful force and things like that. But it's like, Mm -hmm. sure, if for most of human history you read these stories and had nothing in your real life to compare them to, they would seem unbelievable, but we fly regularly. Like, we smite with awesome destructive power frequently Uh, these are not science fiction anymore and so i guess what i'm saying Hmm. is that i think myths are describing events historical events pretty much as they happened and i think we just have an unreliable narrator in the form of our ancestors so i I think the I think mm. the ancient aliens idea is a useful crutch for your credulity. Like 
in in the sense that our ancestors believed these things were that real and if you can conceive of like a space alien being real and coming down and doing something like the things described in this story these particularly the sumerian uh text corpus then i think mm -hmm. that's like the closest you and i can come to viewing it with the credulity that our ancestors did and i say this because our social context viewing this can only be projected backwards onto the people that formed the foundation on which we are now standing. So we can, mm -hmm. it, we are want to put our own social, uh, our own like sociological judgments onto the past when that is very difficult considering that that those sociological norms gave rise to ours. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're, we are, we are also biased and unreliable, right. the same as our ancestors were, I guess. And so, I'm sorry, this is a very long mm -hmm. preamble to the point I'm trying to, to get at. Um, oh, man, don't just, just flow, brother. Don't worry about it. There... Uh, there are inexplicable parallels. I think the most inexplicable being on opposite sides of the Atlantic, the fact that a flood myth and, you know, the the survivors of the flood coming down to found the beginnings of civilization appears both in Mesoamerican, Peruvian, and uh, Sumerian, uh, and biblical as, you know, the descendant of the Sumerian. I guess... Uh, I'm trying to think of what's most important to cite here, but to nutshell it, or the reason that I go to the Sumerian text corpus as like the primary basis of this thought process is be just because it's oldest. Um, the stories these tales are relating are by their own admission, very ancient, even to them. Uh, and so a large focus on of my my interest has been on when did the when did the change happen like when did god stop talking to us and stop being when did god's house stop literally being the place that he was as the physical guy and i i have a tentative date of about at the time of the Sodom and Gomorrah incident around 2000ish BC Okay. So you said when when yes. did God stop being the physical guy? Like I said, the okay, um, God as the person so real that you can wrestle with them, like physically, like can physically harm you. Okay, okay. And whatever right, they right, were, right, like right, 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 right. Okay. using the space okay. alien's crutch, is like when the space aliens stepped down contact with our planet. Um, gotcha, gotcha, okay. What, what my study has led me to believe is that up until about 4,000 4, years ago, in around 2000 BC, um, 
it was essentially like the golden age or the like the book of enoch gets it pretty right if if you familiar or i know you're familiar just uh, if mm-hmm. the audience is familiar um yeah, yeah. and i'm not sure which of the fallen angels in that in enoch is uh analogous to the identity of this trickster god that seems to be the closest thing to an actual devil um but as mm-hmm. far as i can tell uh there's like a a god of plenty like the horn of plenty god is killed by the actions of this trickster god like the the spider god uh, their names are marduk and demuzi in mm-hmm. Demuzi is the Horn of Plenty God, and Marduk is the Trickster God. Um, and this occurs, I guess, sometime between 6,000 and, like, 3,000 BC. Marduk is punished by a conclave of the other gods, and somehow this results in the events of Genesis 14, where it describes the War of the Five Kings and how uh, they began worshipping evil gods, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. this also corresponds mm-hmm. with the Kurukshetra war of uh, the Mahabharata, like uh, the Hindu holy book, or one of the Hindu holy books. Okay. Uh, and so I believe that Marduk essentially utilized these human kings in the in this war described in genesis 14 to threaten the gods the other gods in some way that it forced them to leave and i think this kind of recasts the story of abraham in a much more like heroic and kind of mad maxi sort of light where he's fleeing the collapsing sumer uh because you know he's from nineveh or uh nipper i'm not sure uruk i can't remember um and traveling to the levant the what is today israel and lebanon and god is like preserving Mm -hmm. this seed of sumerian culture in a sense in abraham and there there are many references Hmm. to abraham having like a an armed contingent with him of like cavalry and camelry like uh it was an armed camp in a sense his household okay and so i'm not sure what the exact series of events were but something happened that caused the cataclysm of sodom and gomorrah where the the cities of those kings in the war in genesis 14 were like to continue the ancient aliens analogy, nuked from orbit or something. And this, I believe, and this is a very significant piece I'm trying to prove, uh, I believe is the same events referenced in book 16 of Mahabharata, where it describes something to the effect of uh, a god piloting a vimana, like a flying chariot, fired a a single particle charged with all the power of the universe, an iron thunderbolt, gigantic messenger of death. Its explosion was like the opening of a giant parasol that reduced to ashes, like the races of these people, and 
Um, yeah, I'm having trouble finding okay. the translation that's from. Uh, I think the, I mean, the translations I can find seem to describe these events, but are considerably more poetical in their translation. And like, I'm trying to track down a literal, like one-to-one -one Sanskrit to English translation of this passage because okay. Okay. I think this is where history stops being mythic, like, or not so heavily mythic after 2000 BC, you start seeing God physically involved in things or, you know, what our ancestors would refer to as the divines physically involved in things. And I mean, the really significant part is that this story of, you know, the horn of plenty God and the trickster God, one killing the other, it doesn't just exist in 6,000 BC Sumeria, it also exists in the Norse story of Ragnarok, where Loki, like the trickster god, mm. I, well, I guess everybody knows that character from the Marvel movies now, um, mm -hmm. Loki is responsible for the death mm. of Baldur, who's like the bright prince, you know, um, just like, you know, super blonde hair, kind of like a hippie Nazi look, you know, like super Aryan, but a nice guy gives stuff out. <laughs> um, and so partially in punishment for his, for Loki's involvement in Baldur's murder, he is tied to the world tree by the, you know, this snake. And he's kind of just going to wait there until the twilight of the gods when, you know, Thor and Odin and the rest of them come back to finally settle the score. And I mean, those are some pretty big archetypes present in most religions that God left, but said he'd be back and we're waiting for the final showdown to settle the score. Um, or God left often right. specifically into right. the sky and we're waiting for this return to settle the score. And I mean, it's like the, the transatlantic aspect is always the most incredible to me because it's like, who did Montezuma think Cortez was? It really seems like that same story we all have of God left, but said he'd be back. And, you know, dude rocks up with like a crazy vehicle, cool metal hat, fire breathing weapons. It's like, yeah, this kind of sounds like the stories, you know? All right. <laughs> yeah man so how, how does that play out for you in regards to you know god said he'll be back what is what is that well return what i think look is, like has it has it happened this uh, or is it the process or so if you know loki is stuck to the world tree now uh, you know, if Marduk is marooned here by the other Sumerian gods, or Satan has been cast, you know, Lucifer's been cast down, and now we got to deal with the devil corrupting everything. It's like, I think that's the missing piece. That's mm -hmm. what's really driving the shittiness behind just the individual shittiness of all these awful people. Um, um, I don't mean that in like a uh, mm. misanthropic sense. I mean all these awful people in like the, you know, the the Friends of Jeffrey Epstein Foundation kind of tier of society. Right, um, gotcha. gotcha. And yeah, it's like 
first contact with aliens, people say like, oh, maybe it happened in like 1947 or whatever at Roswell. And like, we've had all been reverse engineering this tech since or something. And it's like, yeah, maybe. But I think also there's been one like Colonel Kurtz from Apocalypse Now, just like shitty self-absorbed dick of like the worst one of the the ancient aliens or the psychic vampires marooned here. Hmm. Damn. <laughs> and this figure is in coheats with those Jeffrey Epstein. Well, that's why I don't shy away from the people. like psychic <laughs> vampire that feeds on misery hypothesis because, like. If this dude is just a dude from somewhere really far away, like, is that just how they are? Are people normally that shitty where he comes from? (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Now, so you think it's an actual person or or being, right? Or or could it be like even some type of. Well, that's the thing I try to wonder about because. Like. When I read something in these ancient texts that just sounds so out there and so ridiculous that I can't even fathom what they might be talking about, you know, I have to stop myself and be like, five generations ago, we would have said this about flying vehicles. It's like, maybe it's Mm, just some kind of like, well, and especially the, the Hindus did a really good job of putting all this down in their holy books, but the kind of... Um, gateway experience, sort of like metaphysical third eye opening kind of stuff. Uh, And the, you know, quantum uncertainty, how that plays into cognition and perception as reality sort of things. It's like, Mm -hmm. I, I think that we're starting to scratch the surface of what is written in those scratch through modern science, scratch the surface of what we already knew from the Vedic scriptures. I think what I wanted to go into was, uh, this is a really touchy subject because essentially what I'm saying is that everything after the Sodom and Gomorrah story from the Bible might have been the devil posing as God. Like, so around, I want to say 1300-ish BC, during Exodus, Moses comes down from the mount with the tablets. And he sees everyone worshiping a golden bull. And he smashes them and then, like, has all the bull worshippers executed. I, I remember being struck when I was a kid by, like, how even for the fairly brutal Old Testament, that stood out as extra brutal. Like, mass fratricide like that. And it's even weirder to me now understanding the context of, like, the bull was the prime symbol of the Lord God. Like who, being from Sumer, might have been the context that Abraham understood the Lord God in, like as Enlil, the the Lord God of the Sumerian pantheon. And to respond so viciously to what had always been tradition makes me think perhaps they could have been under new management. That is very interesting. I... What was it? I read something or listened to someone talk about something similar in regards to the God of the Bible. I think after that um, point in time as well, being 
really the devil. Like the God, they were saying something about the God. Man, I'm going to have to find that. It was, it was very interesting. Anyway, they were talking about the God. At some point in time, God of the Bible was not actually the source God that we spoke of earlier, right? That it is the Satan, the devil, or whatever you want to call it. You know, so that, that's that's very Yeah, and to kind of uh, try to cut through some of the, because there's, there's a lot of confusion in terms here that it's like all of this stuff happening in these old stories, whatever the true identity of these actors are, these like cosmically powerful, like Marduk and Demuzi or whatever, all of that is still contained within the one true God is, I guess, uh, a distinction I want to make. Like that's still all part of God's plan. Even if what we think of as the devil is just like a maroon space alien or something like God still determined that is what I believe. Um, and yeah, like you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of cults popping up, some before and some just after the Sodom and Gomorrah incident. These new cults of like Baal in the Levant, uh, Marduk in Babylon, which like after Sumer collapsed, you know, later Babylon arose and Marduk was their chief god. And what's really like the most uh, ominous sounding one to me is uh, Amun the hidden god popped up in Egypt just before the Sodom and Gomorrah incident. And mm. they all, oh, and Dionysus in Greek, in Greece, they all seem to follow this pattern of suddenly after the Sodom and Gomorrah incident, there's a new god fresh on the scene who has one unifying thing, theme. He's like, you know, in Dionysus's case, he's like, get drunk, party, have sex, whatever. But you can only worship me. Just me above all else. Hold no other god but me and we're cool. And that's the case with Marduk in Babylon, Baal in the Levant, and the hidden god in Egypt. The Here, I can, I can provide this for you, but you have to only worship me. Wow, so that hidden god was the same way. Interesting. Okay. Okay. It seems to all be the same guy. Like, it seems to all be the one that got left behind by the others, the, the marooned, the marooned God. Like, I don't know, trying to like unify us all behind him to oppose the, the, like the kingdom of heaven, the, of like thy kingdom come. Um, mm -hmm. And this is, this is the part that really messes with me because if this shitty guy has been here the whole time and that is his M.O., that also describes Krishna and Jesus Christ. Wow. And that's crazy. I heard someone say something similar about Christ, Jesus as well, man, recently. So it's just, I don't think it's a coincidence that you brought this up, me, you know, being that I just literally heard or, or saw some type of video. Someone, I think I'm going to have to look back on it, but someone who I really respect was a video on YouTube and uh, said something very similar. So now that this has me very intrigued and I definitely have to dive deeper. Damn. Well, and I mean, I want to believe that both Christ and Krishna are not just like avatars of the devil, basically. I like, I really want to believe that the stories saying they went up into heaven are true and an indicator that this is like the kingdom of heaven staying in contact with us 
And I wouldn't put it past the devil to try to poison those connotations of worship only me. Like, that is what the one true God would say. Mm. Or he may Hmm. not have to say it since, like, virtue is apparent in a way. But Mm. Mm -hmm. it's like, man, that kind of uncertainty is, I think, what the devil thrives on. And even worse, that kind of uncertainty makes people search for a a, a, a one-stop shop for all the answers. And so, it, okay, people search. So how do people, how do, how do people find that truth then, right? Like how, how does one get to that point along that path of search where they get to something where they say, okay, this is, this is where it's, this is where it's at for me. This is what I believe in. And not saying it has to be something that's, you know, unified or, or something that, you know, like, okay, you know, it's Christianity or, or whatever, but something that they can stand in their truth on. How does one get there? And what does that look like? Or what does that feel like? I wish I knew like, or I wish I knew a way to put it. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I have this kind of joke, jokey observation I've been making lately. Like when, uh, you know, someone says, like, here are the traits of a psychopath, like uh, inability to feel remorse, compulsive lying, uh, you know, uh, lack of personal accountability, uh, total amorality. And it's like, yeah, yeah, those are the traits of male psychopaths and literally all women. Uh, that's the joke I'm making there is that I think everyone's kind of born a psychopath because the only frame of reference we have is ourselves. So naturally we're going to be incredibly self-centered. Like you see the way a kid will just be flippantly cruel to another child, like yank their toy away or hit them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I'm not really sure by what mechanism one develops a moral instinct or well instincts the wrong word that I think we are all born with some sort of a moral instinct in that a child knows when they're they are wronged like that a child very quickly develops a sense of what's fair and not right and mm-hmm. I how to expand that concept of fairness beyond like the psychopathic self-centered view that all of us are born into is like the cultivation of that moral instinct, I think is basically what all of human society in its best form is intended to do. Okay. okay. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know if that really answers your question. No, no, man. It's good. It's, it's like, to me, it's no right or wrong to it. Right. It's just more of, you know, your thoughts in regards to how one along that journey finds that, that that hill that they can stand on in, in regards to whatever it is they're searching for. You know, when we talk about, you know, um, as you said, after Sodom and Gomorrah, it could be a, you know, different about, you know, uh, maybe, maybe Satan or, or, you know, saying that, like, how does one get to their own truth? Ah. And, you know, in my, my opinion, it's like, okay, so this is my truth. It may not be your truth and your truth may not be his or her truth, but this is my truth. Right. And, for me, I certainly don't have all the answers, but, you know, I know what has assisted me over the last two years, right? In regards to the meditation, the gateway experience, having these spiritual out-of-body experiences, right? And uh, my, my ayahuasca 
ceremony that I went on, and I, that's something I want to get into as well um, in, in a few minutes here. But just finding that truth. So for me, it's like for the longest I was looking, I was looking, right? But I was looking in the wrong area. I was looking outside, you know. And then I found my truth when I realized that everything I was searching for was within, you know, all the answers that I have. And I don't know all the answers, but I'm, I've learned a lot of answers that have molded me into who I am today. And for me to stand on my heel or, or stand in my truth in regards to what I believe in, 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 in regards to uh, God and uh, or the light and the dark, etc. So that's kind of where I was was going with that. Too, so I, see, I see what you mean now. And I think. Um, I think, I don't know if I've found the words for it myself because I'm, I'm hearkening back to our first interactions when, you know, we kind of met each other cold, just like Keith introduced us and we had a zoom call and it was just like this immediate, maybe not on like the exact same wavelength, but like a parallel, like a double helix kind of wavelength Mm -hmm. where the the synchronicities were apparent and it was, it was a growing experience for me, at least it, it, I think helped build some of that, uh, otherizing of the self to like understand more. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think like, I haven't really found a better way to express it than in the way you expressed it to me then, or maybe this will be the way I express it in my misremembering your words uh, is essentially having like that, that main line to the almighty, that connection to the father that there's a, it really comes down to faith and belief. And it's, it's almost less about what you believe than if you can believe it. That's so wonderful, brother. And just like you said, it all comes down to to faith in what you believe. And for me to take it another level or another step ahead in, in my journey, right? Whereas, you know, that faith in what you believe, like when you talked about what well, you, you know, when we met, like, no doubt about it, that was something divine, right? You know, and, you know, when, when you talk about the faith in what you believe, it, it, it goes from a faith in what you believe to, to just what you know, right? And that's kind of what I've kind of stepped into here, right? Over the last maybe six months, right? And it's just just a, like a, a progression, right? Again, in a path of no right or wrongs, but just an experience where you continue your journey and you work on self and you peel back those layers, but at the same time, you're, you're walking with the Father through it all and more is revealed and 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 then you again that 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 faith or what you believe to okay so what you know and it's it's it, it turns into what you know because of the trust not only the trust in the father because the trust in the father has always been there but now it's more so the trust in self you know if that mm-hmm. makes sense you know. absolutely um i was just kind of thinking like to borrow a phrase from carl benjamin uh it's like the magic only works if you believe in it. But if you believe in it, the magic works. And it really is all about self-actualization and self-realization to 
and we'll end with that critical component of recognizing the self in relation to that which is all things as one thing there you go and i was thinking the same thing right like when i say that that trust in self meaning because i am a part of right you are a part of you know this this greater consciousness this this the father that has been around and been here forever so have i and I kind of think like I get to think, well, maybe that's where deja vu comes in with certain things because we've nothing, nothing's new under the sun. And we've seen things before in the spirit world before we came here. And, you know, it's, you know, my mind goes in all types of directions with that, man. But it's all divine. It's all divine through it all, man. You know, and the experience has been great. You know, it really has. It really has. It's just a almost like a relearning, right? Because. I think there are some things we know or aware of, I should say, before we come here. And then we throw on these avatars. And, and I don't know, to a certain extent, there's like a a wiping of the of the hard drive a bit. But it's really not white because that, that data is, is kind of stored in there somewhere, right? And that comes out, you know, through, through certain experiences. So, you know, that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... I know I've mentioned this to you before, but the way you put it of uh, like, it's all divine is with uh, it, it reminds me of this, you know, uh, lurking a Hindu group again, it's where I found this one is you know, an atheist or an agnostic may ask, why can't we see God? And it's akin to a fetus in the womb asking why they can't see their mother. They're, that's wow. all they've ever interacted with. They're completely contained within it. And so it's almost like the, a flipping of a switch from where's God? I don't see any God here to, oh, it's everything. <laughs> and that's what it is, right? That's what it is. Literally everything, the air we breathe, the sun we see, the moon we see, the mountains I look at out my window. I mean, the, the ocean, you know, everything, brother. It's, it's, it's everything and that's 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 the thing about it man everything and everything. I, I liken it to god is everything that isn't man created right <laughs> so well that gets that pulls the thread of an interesting one uh an idea my my ex planted in my head is if humans are the product of nature is human caused climate change also natural is human okay let's say it again say it again if humans are the what you said the like the natural product of nature if we if we natural product of nature okay and landed this way Uh then is our drive to burn everything and pump all this carbon into the air like is that natural Is, is that not maybe what earth wants oh okay i get it i get it well, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess it all depends on what you believe, right? right? Is 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 the is is that real in regards to the damage being done? Oh, well, that's why I to said Earth? assuming human, or that's why I tried to kind of imply assuming, assuming human caused climate change is a thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you, got you, got you. Okay, okay, okay. But that, okay, but outside of the point, sometimes I have a 
Tennessee to go places. I just need to stay focused on what you said. I need to stay home here. But that's a damn good theory, and, and that's definitely a food for thought. Yeah, man. I mean, that's definitely food. That's for one thought. of those ones I don't have an answer for. It's just one I kind of kick around in my head. Yeah, that's that is uh, damn <laughs> good stuff, man. Good stuff. Whew. So we we've we've covered a few things here. We've covered a few things here, man. Very, very interesting stuff. Very, very interesting talk. You know, I wanted to, yeah, you know, I said I want to talk uh, talk about my uh, psychedelic experiences, but I actually want to ask you, I mean, you know about my uh, my experience, right, with the, uh, you know, about a year ago. Have you ever had any spiritual experiences with psychedelics? If so, what was that like? With psychedelics, once, because I don't really... I mean, unless you consider cannabis a psychedelic, which okay. I think you could make the argument, especially if, you know, you haven't smoked weed in a long time or something like that. Uh, it can really send you to space and <laughs> really hit be you. quite psychedelic, I would say. Uh, you know, at the beginning of our conversation, you, you mentioned something about uh, a heavy spiritual experience. What was that yeah, all about? Yeah, I would say... What happened with um, that? With... Uh, yeah, generally without psychedelics, but the the one that really stands out is, uh, you know, I'd, I'd grown up in Austin, in Texas for like 26, 27 years, all my life there. And then just one day my sister offered, you know, a way for me to get up here to Washington. And it was love at first sight. Like I just had no intention of going home. And that first winter up here, uh, me and my sister had like a, a cabin out in the woods we were renting long term and she had just moved out of the country. And so it was just me by myself. And, you know, I wasn't so remote, like it wasn't like no one could get to me, but mm-hmm. I couldn't conceivably walk out of there when it got snowed in and like the hill out froze and like the road was plowed just like, you know, 30 yards up from where I parked. But getting my shitbox Honda, you know, up to the road is just pure impossibility. That was a problem. Yeah, and so for about two weeks, I was snowed into this little cabin by myself. And, you know, again, like, I wasn't totally isolated. Like, I, I, maybe I'm overqualifying this, but it's like, I had my phone, I could call for help. And, you know, I just, I couldn't watch Netflix the whole time, I guess. Didn't have that kind of data. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And uh, so, you know, the I knew it was going to freeze, so I had, like, a good stock of food. I was just there by myself. And for the first, you know, week or so or however many days, I just kind of could do whatever I want, like, was in a permanent state of cannot be asked, just hanging out. And I fell into whatever sleep schedule felt right. And at one point, I just woke up. It could have been you know, dawn, dusk, or midday, I or middle of the night, well, not middle of the night, I remember it was somewhat light out. Um, I go up to my, I go out to my door, I open it, and I'm just looking out at the yard, you know, like, here's a fire pit, off in the distance is, uh, like, a fence, and then just trees, as far as the eye can see beyond that, trees with snow all on the branches and stuff, and I had this, like, perspective shift that if you've ever gotten your eyes close to a pattern, like, uh, or where the pattern fills the entirety of your view, like if you're staring up at like the modeled ceiling of a, you know, a bedroom or something, 
and all you can see is the pattern, it's possible that, or it's happened to me before, that looking at it, you lose the ability to perceive depth between the pieces of the fractal, in a sense. Mm, And it's kind of like, uh, you know, when you, like when you press on your closed eye, uh, with the, with your finger or something with your knuckles and those sort of like blood vein patterns, or I guess, I don't know what causes those, you know, swirls and fractals, uh, under the the eyelid, but it was kind of like that. And that happened to me while just looking out the front door at everything. It's like a moment of just like. Wow. Like, wow, this is a pretty convincing simulation, huh? Like, why? That's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> Dang, man. Um, and yeah, it's like from that moment, like, I don't know what the direct correlation between these two things is, but that moment and like, I kind of like blinked it away and like could kind of stop seeing it. Um, uh-huh. But since then, I've just had this sort of like. peace oneness with the universe that like whatever happens to me i'm still going to be on earth still going to be part of the universe my my body will simply be recycled and i'll come back in another form or not yeah it's it's something you and i have talked about at greater length before but it's a it's like like love is letting go of fear to borrow a phrase it really is but that's what it's like, man. That's what it is, man. It's like that fear. And, you know, and I don't want to shift the conversation on myself, but it just it makes me think about myself in 2020 with my skydiving and then the ayahuasca experience and just this journey I've been on. Right. So I'm, I can it, it resonates, brother. You know, I get what you're saying. I'm very familiar with that feeling. Right. And, and that just goes back to me talking about that liberation, that that peace, that freedom. Where it's just like, once you, it's like, I got to a point where I realized what was in me, source, and like, I don't have anything to worry about. It's like, really, bro, we're like in a win-win situation. We can't Mm -hmm. lose. Why? Because we are of the light, right? We are of the light. We are based in love, the greater consciousness that lives within. And he's just gifted us with all these cool feelings and emotions and, and abilities and gifts to do some amazing things, you know, to support each other, to support others, to manifest our realities. Like that shit is real, you know? And it's just, man, like the chains have been, have been broken, man. You know, the chains that, that used to be on my wrists and be on my, my ankles, man, are gone. You well, know? It's just a beautiful And you thing. say like, you know, not to, not to turn it about yourself or whatever, but it's like, dude, like this is about yourself like you're an important part of this story in my mind i don't think i would have had the understanding of the significance of what i was what had changed had i not met you at the time and in a way you gave me the vocabulary to describe what i was feeling or maybe to connect dots that i previously hadn't um Hmm. and i mean it's almost like uh in bhagavad-gita Krishna kind of pulls this undercover boss move on Arjuna where he's like, yeah, I know I've been your best friend since forever, but I'm also basically God. So here's, you know, everything about the universe. And I kind of had this thought process of you're 
it's like, would I be surprised if my absolute best friend turned out to secretly be God? And it's like, probably not. <laughs> I could probably buy it. God's my best friend? Cool. And I thought about that in more senses. Like, well, as everything is God, yeah, my best friend is also God. And, like, God is my best friend. <laughs> There you go, man. There it is. That's right. That's right. That's that's good stuff there, man. That is good stuff. Wow. Seb, this has been great, my brother. Great, my brother. Glad you finally glad we were finally able to get you on the show, man. You know, timing is everything and we, we found that time to to make it happen. The stars aligned and here we are, man. Before we cut away, man, I want to ask you to do one thing, right? And as you know, I ask ask each and every guest to leave what I like to call a token of love with the hidden gateway listeners, right? Something, you know, it can be a minute long, it can be five minutes long, something from the heart that you believe will help our listeners along their personal journeys as they, as they continue their, their personal journeys, man. What, what is it that you would like to share? I would say everything you, every living thing you have met and likely ever will meet is literally empirically genetic is your genetic relative it's i think difficult to, to overstate the the significance of that fact that and that and combined with none of our genes have ever been dead we are part of a a singular deathless entity by empirical fact alone like at this point I think science has caught up with religion to the point where the arguments against oneness with all and like even even to convince the most skeptical scientismist are simply no longer there like it, I think people are running out of excuses to not do the right thing and deny god and things hmm. like this and it makes me happy, and I, I guess I would simply like to say, seek that. You'll know it when you see it. Seek that feeling. Mm. Mm -hmm. Excellent, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I, I wholeheartedly appreciate that. That was good, man. And again, just want to thank you, man, 100% from the heart for coming on the show. And uh, obviously, you're on you're on social media. Can you tell the people where they can locate you? Yeah, Um well, I recently deactivated my Facebook, so I'm probably going to be less active there, but I run... Damn, you did. Yeah, okay. I, I, I was getting banned over two, two ridiculous of things. <laughs> oh, yeah. damn. I'll I be on it. my deathbed. Trust me. You know, you know I'll I I'll be on it. my deathbed like that. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd argued with strangers on the internet more. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, I'm uh, Esoteric Tangrianism on Facebook, uh, at Segovax on youtube there that's me basically just doing recitations of public domain literature that i like uh with light crackpot commentary and i think at segovax3 on twitter which is at the moment mostly me arguing with uh wokes various flavors of woke people uh, <laughs> yeah, the youtube is probably where i got the most that? offerings oh man I'm about to go there and check that out. <laughs> Classic stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> 
Hey, Sevy, I want to thank you once again for being a guest on the Hidden Gateway podcast. And to our audience, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast. Remember to uh, stay connected with us directly through the hiddengateway.com. If you would like to speak to us, send us an email at support at the hiddengateway.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This will conclude this week's episode. Until next time, stay positive, stay questioning, be love, and be free. The Hidden Gateway, out.